Was Rulinal Red a genuine prophet of God? We'll talk about that next on Polygamy. What love is this? Several months ago, we began a series where we present teachings from a leader of the AUB polygamy group, Rulin C. Allred. His teachings and preachings have been published in a book entitled Treasures of Knowledge, Selected Discourses and Excerpts from Talks by Rulin C. Allred. Now, some members of the Allred polygamy group admit they worshipped Allred while he was here. However, since most of what he taught disagrees with the Bible, they really can't be treasures of knowledge at all. Actually, the Bible tells us that all the treasures of knowledge are bound up in Jesus, not ruling all red. Despite their claims that the Bible isn't correct, you'll note, as we quote from some of his teachings, that all red refers to and quotes from the Bible a lot. Karen Bradshaw is here again as our co-host to help us understand the All Red Polygamy Group. She was born and raised and entered into a polygamous marriage in the All Red Group. So thanks for coming, Karen. we got some interesting things to discuss. You're welcome. And reveal as we talk about what he taught. Yes. So we're going to begin with something that All Red preached, quoting from page 145. Okay. So, now the prophet Joseph established all these things and sealed his testimony with his blood in his martyrdom. He organized the church, and we find Benjamin F. Johnson and countless numbers of the early saints telling about organizing the kingdom of God. In the organization of the kingdom of high priest, and that is the kingdom of God, would come out of the church, church's priesthood and would protect, or, yeah, protect the church in its inalienable rights to preach the fullness of the gospel to the children of men. So we have a kingdom of God organization separated and distinct from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, he says Joseph Smith was martyred, but he wasn't. (laughs) Joseph Smith was imprisoned because he ordered the destruction of the printing press that was exposing his polygamous activities. He did not shed his blood for the polygamists or for the monogamous Mormons. Now, our country has always upheld and held very dearly our freedom of speech and freedom of the press. Joseph Smith attempted to destroy that freedom. Destroying the printing press was against the law. It was violent and showed that he really didn't have faith in God at all, that he would have to resort to that. Mm-hmm. Now, in his jail cell, cell, he had guns and booze, and when a mob came after him, he and John Taylor and his brother Hiram ended up in a gunfight. Hiram was killed, Taylor was injured, and so was Smith. He jumped out the window and was dead on impact. So you could hardly call that being martyred when he was killed in a gunfight. That, that shocked me when I found this out. When you it's first just, heard me yeah, too. because we never knew that. Yeah, me too. And they do, they don't tell the full truth on that. Uh, a good description of the gunfight you can find on the mrm.org, and the link is on the screen. Now, Joseph Smith was not a martyr, but he did organize the LDS Church, as Allred said. He said the kingdom of God would come out of the Mormon Church's priesthood and would protect the church, meaning the LDS Church and the, the polygamy group church. But the Bible tells us that it is Jesus who builds his church and it's Jesus who personally takes care of it. He doesn't do it through the Mormons or the Mormon priesthood. 
and Allred taught something interesting that many LDS people probably don't know and maybe some polygamists don't know it either. The AUB believes that the LDS church is the true religion, but since the LDS gave up polygamy, they have no authentic priesthood power, which the AUB does have. Yeah. Therefore, even the Mormon, even, even though the Mormon Church is God's true church, their members will not be exalted in heaven because polygamy is required for exaltation, and only the AUB has that polygamous priesthood authority. Yeah. It's kind of confusing, but that's the, the way they believe it. Yeah. So the Mormon Church will be rescued by the AUB at some point. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. So <laughs> they would teach that the AUB was the father and the church was the mother. Then the and they Mormon, were church, Mormon church was the <laughs> yes. mother, yeah. yeah. So according to them, the priesthood is polygamy. And Doctrine and Covenants section 132 verses 28 and 45 confirm that plural marriage is the power of the Mormon priesthood. But this is what Jesus said. We start with Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then Psalms 125, 1 and 2, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abideth forever. As the mountains surrounded Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from the time forth and forever. From this time forth and forever. Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now all of this was written before they say the, the apostasy came. So does God make all these promises and then not full, you know, full call? Yeah, it, is he through? a liar? <laughs> yeah, is he a liar? <laughs> and in John eighteen thirty six, Jesus told Pilate during his interrogation that his kingdom is not as of this world. So the Bible says it can't be shaken. Jesus says that it's not of this world. Neither the Mormons or the polygamists are builders right. of the kingdom of God. If you want to be part of his kingdom, you are required to forsake all forsake it and not and then follow Jesus only which means that you have to leave Mormonism and polygamy behind if you want to be part of God's true kingdom next in this same sermon Allred said this God ordained that that kingdom should rule the earth in this day and age with an iron rod and that the, that the day is at hand my dear brothers and sisters, the promises of God and the prophecies of God shall not fall in right. an, or fail in any detail. And it is within our power to keep the commandments of God, to keep alive the organization of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Holy Priesthood, and the Kingdom of God. Now, I wonder what the Mormon Church thinks of some of these claims that he's making. And he said that, that this kingdom, allegedly the Mormon polygamy kingdom, would rule the earth in this day mm -hmm. and age, he said. That means now. That means that they would rule, with an, and, and he said, with an iron rod. I don't know where he gets that notion. Jesus' authentic church is ruled by God's grace and love through Jesus Christ not through the AUB polygamy group. One of the big troubles with Mormonism is they threaten their members with that iron rod. They rule by fear. But this is what God said about that. Luke twelve thirty two. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 2 Timothy 1, 7. 
in 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Hebrews 13.5.6 For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected, perfected in love. So he's, he's threatening them that, that he's gonna, they're going to rule with an iron rod, but God doesn't use fear to rule his people. His love is perfect, and his perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't threaten us. However, there is a verse in Psalm 2 that explains that during the millennium, Jesus will rule the entire earth from the throne of David, from Jerusalem, which is the immovable Zion, and this rule will be with an iron rod. This is not his ruling the church, because the church won't be here during that time. So we'll quote from Psalms 2. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask for me, or ask, ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like potter's vessels. Now this is referring to when Jesus rules in peace and righteousness, taming the evil and violence of humanity. He won't put up with it. There will be no loopholes in the law, no slick legal maneuvers that lets the guilty off the hook while victimizing the victim. But it's not his ruling the church. So he stole that iron rod ruling as how he's going to rule his people. Allred said the promises... And prophecies of God shall not fail in any detail. In this statement, I wonder if he is, if if he means just for the Mormons or the Mormon polygamists. Is this true? Does God's promises and His prophecies fail for the rest of the world and for all Bible-believing Christians? And I ask that because the entire Mormon religion, including its breakoffs, believe that the Bible is not trustworthy that his word has failed through corruption. By necessity, that includes all the promises God has made. Mormonism thinks that God's truth and his church were lost after Jesus ascended to heaven and his original apostles died. They call it the apostasy. And Joseph Smith was selected to restore the lost gospel, its ordinances, its laws and commandments, its priesthood, and of course, polygamy. So if God's promises will never fail, according to Allred, why did they fail the first time? How many chances does God have to get it right? (laughs) If God failed keeping his promises that are in the Bible, then he will also fail in keeping any other promises to polygamists that they think he made. And if God didn't fail in keeping any of his promises, then there was never an apostasy. There was no need for a restoration. Polygamy is still forbidden, and the church Jesus promised to build never did fail. It still remains and is inclusive of all believers in salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus alone. In other words, none of Mormonism was ever needed. It is not a restoration and is actually just another cult. All red can't have it both ways. 
If God's promises and prophecies cannot fail, then Mormonism is false and is not needed. If God's promises and prophecies failed the first time, God has no power or integrity to keep them from falling again and failing again. So what he said is not true. Another piece of evidence that Allred was a false teacher and a false prophet is found in what he said that God was about to do. Now, he preached this in August of 1974. Okay, so if Parley P. Pratt's words are true in summing up the age, the time that Adam lived, the time that Christ came, the year in which he died, the year in which we live, we don't live in the year 1974. We live in the year 1977. And when March rolls around again, March is the first month in the once true calendar, we'll commence the year of 1978. We've got less or approximately 23 years to go. It's about, three, it's about time some of us were visiting, visiting with him, don't you think? With 23 years to go, think about these things. Get on your knees and ask the Lord to help you to prepare for not only the terrible things that are coming upon the earth, but more particularly for the glorious things that are coming upon the earth, that you may participate in them. The hour is at hand when Adam will come with all the resurrected dead who held keys of the past dispensation. The day is at hand. Now, those who are not familiar with Mormonism or Mormon doctrine would probably get confused about some of these things that he said, like Adam's going to come and and yeah. the the year isn't really the year that we think it is. They've changed it. And it's just well, it's it's so much confusing. Even to the polygamist, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this, and I was so confused. I'm like, well, why doesn't the calendar start with March then? Yeah, yeah. And, and God's not the author of confusion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the Mormon fem- fundamentalists believe that Adam is God. That's why he said Adam would come, because they believe Adam is God, was God. That's what Brigham Young taught. He mm-hmm. said Adam will come in 23 years. Now, that was in 1974, which was really 1977, according to what he's claiming. <laughs> <laughs> he said Adam will come in 23 years. Now, can first of all, can Adam really be God? Adam was a sinner. Is our God really a sinner who learned not to sin? False prophets, of course, deal in false teachings. Now, Allred preached this in 1974, saying in 23 years Jesus would return. That would have been in 1997. Didn't happen. Just like in 1835, Joseph Smith predicted Jesus would return in 56 years, but he didn't return in 1891 as he claimed. The prophecy failed. So, does God give false prophecies? Or do false prophets do that? Now, Allred said that none of God's promises or prophecies would fail. Either Allred got it wrong or God did. What are you going to do with that? Now, we know that these false teachers will always say, well, he didn't come back because the people weren't ready. They weren't righteous enough yet. They weren't worthy. I've heard that many times. They always say that, yeah. But God's timing doesn't change. When he's ready to come back, that's when he's going to come back, whether you're ready or not. In fact, the Bible repeatedly warns us to be ready when that happens. So he's not waiting on us to get ready. And if when Jesus was here and he didn't even know the time of his return, what makes these men think that they can know? 
Allred preached that their AUB polygamy group would be the savior of the LDS church. This is what he said. Now this, my brothers and sisters, is your job and my job. We are going to try with our best efforts, with every bit of ability that we've got, to be the salvation of the LDS church, because we are living the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not that we may take any pride or honor unto ourselves, but that through the grace of God, we may somehow get through and save ourselves in the kingdom of God. And this is what I pray for you and for me in that day, or in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, the fullness of the gospel, when, when you hear an LDS person or, or, excuse me, a polygamous person use that phrase, they're referring to plural marriage. Right. And the united order. That which is the fundamental doctrine. The LDS Church is not practicing the fullness of the gospel, so obviously they need special saving, and he claims they're going to do it. The AUB is going to be the savior of the LDS Church. But there's no savior besides Jesus Christ. God alone is the savior. Please note the following two verses. I'm sorry. Isaiah 43, 11. You better read it. <laughs> I just have Titus. Right there. Oh, okay. I I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So notice that the Old Testament Isaiah, the Lord is the Savior, and there's no other Savior but Him. In the New Testament, Titus, God, our great God and Savior, is Jesus Christ. He's Jesus Christ is God. Now, neither mm -hmm. the polygamists nor the LDS are the Savior, nor are they saviors in any sense of the word, yet that's what they all claim to be. Even the LDS Church claims to be saviors of men. Mm -hmm. Now, Allred said God's promises and prophecies never fail. Therefore, what God said about being the only Savior cannot be doubted. And of course, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He is our great God and Savior, just as we read in Titus. In the last quote, Allred said that through the grace of God, we, the AUB polygamists, may somehow get through and save ourselves in the kingdom of God. Now, if we could save ourselves, we would be our own Savior. Mm -hmm. But we just read that God alone is Savior. Allred made another false statement. He leads people astray. And then he said that through the grace of God, they may somehow get through. They don't even know the meaning of the grace of God because grace and law, ordinances and commandments are contradictory. They're opposed to each other. The grace of God is where we find true salvation with no works, no effort, no trying, no keeping the commandments. It's either grace or works, but it can never be both. And always through faith in our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a quote from Romans. Romans eleven six, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So grace is no longer grace if you're working with works. Right. Very clear. So they, they don't even know no. how the grace of God can work in their salvation because they have to work for it. I didn't, I didn't understand grace. I didn't either. Not no. a bit. Not one bit. Yeah. 
Now, the next quote is from a sermon that he gave in April 1973, and he quotes John 3.16. Now, for those who recognize this verse, you should be able to detect where he has misquoted it, and in doing so, has twisted the gospel of the Bible. So we quote what he said. Okay, there is no message with greater uh, portent that could possibly be sorry, be, be born to the world today than the message that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in his name and kept his commandments should be saved. <laughs> now, like I said, if anybody is familiar with that verse, you'll know what's wrong with it right off the bat. Now we're going to read this verse from the Bible for comparison. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's easy to see the difference in what he said it said and what the Bible says. He dreadfully misquoted the verse and I checked Joseph Smith's version of the Bible and it does not say what all read says John 3.16 says even in Joseph Smith's Bible. Wow. So, so that our viewers can see context, because that is so important, we want to read John 3, verses 15 through 17, and see if you can find works, law, commandments, and polygamy in the verse that Allred mentioned. So read John 3, 15 through 17. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So eternal life is a gift. Yes. It's a gift. You can see that in these verses. For those who believe in Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, not the Mormon Jesus, who is Lucifer's brother. Eternal life is a gift, and the only alternative is to perish. Everlasting life is a gift for those who believe, which means to trust and rely upon Him completely as Savior. And verse 17 explains that Jesus came not to condemn or rule with an iron rod, but to save. Jesus was on a rescue mission. And it's only through Jesus that anyone in the world can be saved. It doesn't say through works. If you notice those verses, we're not saved through works. We're not saved through polygamy. We're not saved through a church or a religion. It's Jesus and only Jesus. That was the first uh, scripture that I read that really pierced me. It was just like, oh. John 3, 16. Yes. It was just like, oh my goodness, I'm saved just yeah. because I believe in Him. Yeah, and of course the belief isn't the same thing as believing the sun's going to come up tomorrow. The belief means that you rely upon Him, you trust Him completely and exclusively as, wow. as being your Savior. It can't be just a mere belief like you, you know, like the sun's coming up tomorrow. It's not that simple because uh, even the demons believe and tremble, James says. So the belief is a little different than what may, people might think that it is. Uh, when Jesus yes. came, he was on a rescue mission. He came to rescue us because we needed to be rescued, to be saved. And, and uh, somebody who is perishing cannot save themselves by any kind of work. Now, we want you to notice what these verses don't say. It doesn't say that rule and all read and all of Mormonism, it doesn't say what they say about works and laws and mm -hmm. obedience. 
there's no Mormonism in their verses, and there's no polygamy in those verses, no united order in God's message of eternal life. It isn't there, nowhere, from page one to the last page of the Bible. It's not there. What a relief. Oh, what was. a relief, yes. <laughs> Next, Allred talks about Doctrine and Covenants, section 131, where Joseph Smith allegedly had a revelation from God. The prophet Joseph Smith, in a revelation from God, declared that in the celestial glory there are three heavens or degrees, and in order to enter into the highest of these, a man must enter into this order of priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. If he does not do this, that he will be the end of that his kingdom. He cannot have an increase. Which means you can't go to heaven and be a god and have babies forever. That's right. what that means. Mm -hmm. Now, the new, of course, that's a myth anyway. But the new and everlasting covenant that he refers to here is polygamy. It's plural marriage, which he is saying mm -hmm. you have to enter into in order to get into Mormon heaven. Um, the new and everlasting covenant says a woman must protect her virtue, while at the same time a man can and does have sex with multiple women. Despite the fact that Jesus said there are no marriages after this life, that the law of marriage ends at death, the polygamists continue to teach opposite of what Jesus himself taught. There's no various degrees of glory in heaven. Again, Jesus taught only two ways of salvation. You either are saved or you perish. The narrow road to life or the broad road to destruction. Heaven or hell, there's only two places after we die. But the polygamists and the Mormons continue to reject what Jesus taught, and they rely upon their own religious myths as a guide to their lives. But God's truth doesn't change. False prophets and false teachers continue to lead the people astray. And only those who believe in and trust Jesus and the Word of God can and will endure to the end. So this is the end of this particular one. We still have another part coming up where we go through more of Rulin Allred's teachings from his book. So Karen will be here again to co-host that. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Thanks for coming and, and uh, participating in this interesting set of sermons. My pleasure. <laughs> you know, the story of Cain and Abel is a good example of coming to God either through works or through sacrifice. Cain brought the first of his works and was, re or his, uh, yeah, the, the fruit of his works, and he was rejected. Uh, Abel brought the fat portions of the firstborn of his flock and was accepted. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist points to Jesus saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. Galatians tells us our works cannot make us pleasing to God. Ephesians tells us our salvation is dependent upon God's grace and mercy, not of works. Mormonism comes along and threatens their members with keeping the commandments, observing the ordinances, paying tithing, living polygamy, all of which is never listed in the Bible as requirements for eternal life. No wonder they advise you not to trust the Bible. It contradicts their doctrine and will release the stranglehold they have on you. Jesus came to set the captives free. So why not embrace Jesus and be released from the dead works of Mormonism and their polygamy? Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. 
More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.